This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to BigHeadsMedia.com for more great podcasts. Hey, welcome back to 24th and Park. I'm John Olangi here with uh, Eddie Razo. And uh, we have a special guest today, our PSG contributor, Mark Damon, here with us for a special episode. Um, you know, not the greatest circumstances, but I um, felt it was necessary to have uh, all three of us here for, for this first topic uh, specifically. Uh, uh, it's our first episode of the new of the new year, 2020. But, um, and, you know, hate to, to start off with this topic in particular, but, you know, I think it's necessary that we all kind of get, get these things off our chest and uh, kind of get, get into it, man. So um, I guess, Mark, you're our guest today. Um, and obviously we're, we're talking about uh, the late Kobe Bryant, uh, Los Angeles Laker legend, uh, one of the greatest athletes, uh, passed away this past uh, Sunday on a helicopter crash. Don't really want to get too much into the details. I'm pretty sure at this point everybody's caught up and kind of know what what took place. And Kobe, his daughter, um, Gigi, and seven uh, seven other people in, uh, lost their lives and their families were affected. Uh, so we want to send our deepest condolences to to those to those families and they're definitely in our prayers. And uh, but you know, just in terms of uh, Kobe Bryant himself. As an athlete, Mark, uh, kind of just your reaction to getting the news and, you know, just a reflection on everything that, you know, Kobe stood for and how he impacted our lives. Well, again, thank you guys for having me on. I mean, I wish we were under better circumstances that we have this reunion, but I, f- I feel like this is a good time to just sort of reflect and just kind of uh, really think about us us three and just how i think all of us were affected by just being in the era of kobe bryant and i've i've lived pretty much my whole life as a sports fan and kobe bryant has pretty much been in my life since i was a sports fan i can't remember a time where he wasn't and I know, John, that you came up to this co- to this country when you were a kid and you became a Laker fan. And I won't tell your story, but I mean, and Eddie, you live in L.A. So, I mean, it's like th- this this story, I think, touches all of us. And I kind of feel like we're a part of this Kobe Bryant generation where, you know, he, he came into the league in the early 90s and he left the league in a time very different than when he entered it. And I think he covered such a large swath of time, you know, going from being a 17-year-old kid to being this sort of elder statesman of the league and the whole, you know, second life that he was about to live. And, you know, getting that news at, you know, just as the PSG game on Sunday was about to start, I was, you know, I was doing yeah. something else. And then I got on, you know, Twitter, the game was starting and I see, you know, this, I see, I think it was maybe Ed that tweeted it about, you know, how he was not focused on the game because of this Kobe Bryant thing. And I'm like, what is he talking about? And then very quickly, it kind of, you, you, you see it and it's like, it takes a second to really sink in. And then when it sinks in, you're just like, 
it's really hard to like comprehend it because it's just so out of all of the circumstances of it are just so out of nowhere. It's like Kobe Bryant, 41 dies in a helicopter crash. And you're like that, that it's, it's so random and it almost just speaks again to just how random this all really is and how we, as human beings just kind of are on this ride sometimes and we maybe don't have the kind of control that we wish we had. And it's just watching the last three, four days, and we'll get into some more details on just sort of what, you know, about all of this, but it just, it's one of those stories that is bigger than sports. It's bigger than um, our little bubble of, of what we like and what we watch. And it, it, it touches so many different things. And I think that for all of us, it's just sort of a, one of those moments in life where you just kind of pause and we don't get that many, we don't get many of those moments really, I think in life. And I think, you know, this is one of them. So I'm interested to hear your guys' perspective on it because, you know, it's this this is so i think big of a story and i think you guys have a unique perspective on it i'm just really fascinated to hear what you guys kind of how you processed all of this yeah eddie eddie you can uh, you can go ahead no i was gonna let you take the floor first uh john because i know you being a laker fan and i know it took i've seen some of your like social media posts and it, it for me uh, I wouldn't say it's hit me the most just because, like, I, I yes, I grew around Kobe uh, because living in LA, obviously his his games are, are always on TV. If uh, if I just wanted to watch basketball, like I like I said, I'm not a Laker fan, but if I wanted to watch basketball, it was usually you know when when the when the Lakers were on uh, Fox Sports West, that's that's what I would watch and and it's it's just still feels surreal. It's like uh, and even now, even like it's been like three days uh, since the since the incident happened, and I still try to watch sports, but it just I don't know if if, if it's if this is something you guys are really or maybe feel when you guys are watching sports now, but it, I don't know, it's just something feels off, like especially that day when I was trying to watch. I did, I honestly didn't pay much attention to the PSG match. I was like, it, it kind of sucked the air out of out of out of you know my, my living room it's just like I kind of don't want to I don't feel like watching sports right now it's like uh, I was just like still speechless and even to this even so right now it's like it's one of those things like that that actually really happened and did that this really happen and and you know I work close to downtown LA I work where if you're familiar with the LA area I work near where uh, the University of Southern California is at and it's just surreal seeing everybody uh, that's in Lakers gear coming from Staples Center because uh, I work approximately maybe like five, less than five, less than 10 minutes away uh, from, from Staples. And it's just, it feels like when I see those people just in their Kobe jerseys, when I, when I take the, either the bus or the train, it's just, it's just silence. It's just, it, it feels like it's hit everybody in in a different manner, and I don't know. I don't know how to put it. It's just something that's just 
you really can't put it into words. It, it's it's more like describing a. You're trying to describe something that you really don't go through very often, and it's it's one of those moments. I, I, I hear LA radio shows even talking about this. It's like it's been a while since a celebrity's death where it kind of stopped the entire world and everybody just needed a second to process and not even a second, but days to process it. And, and yeah, it's, it's just been weird. It's just been a weird couple of days. Yeah, for, for sure. I think that's, that's a good, that's a good way to, 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 to sort of explain the, the, the energy. Um, you know, it's, surreal right like it's surreal it's you know i didn't never thought i'd be doing a podcast let alone doing one where i have to speak about kobe bryant you know losing his life at such a, a early age and and just the tragedy uh, for, for his family man like his daughter was with him and everybody else who was on that the helicopter you know with their kids it's just um it's, it's yeah it's you know, I have knots in my stomach now just talking about it and just thinking about, you know, what, what those last moments were and, and, you know, just, you know, what, what, what was going through his mind, what was going through his kid's mind and, and everybody else on there. And it's just, it's, it's really gutting. Uh, but, you know, it's just Kobe, man. It's, it's one of those things where he was, when I first came to America, like he was, I had no point of reference I was like seven years old, had no point of reference of who's what, like sports teams and basketball and NFL, whatever. Like only in Africa, all we knew was Michael Jackson. Like he was like that global superstar that everyone knew around the world. But, you know, as soon as I started getting into things and started to interact with people and it's like this, this is who caught my attention. He was the first athlete or person, you know, with that level of celebrity that I was um, fascinated by uh, just in terms of the, the specialty and then the skill level. And obviously the Lakers were winning. They came off the, the, the three peat with Shaq. And then they had the years where they didn't really win. And then the Pau Gasol years and just really uh, marveling at, at, at what he did on the court but it was really because of just the, the mentality, right? And just like everything else that came with why he was special. And um, it's it's just tough because, again, didn't think we would be here to talk about this in this way. And um, and yeah, it's, it, it's, it's tough to stomach. And you hear these stories about how people who you know he knew but just how you just alluded to eddie you weren't the biggest laker fan but you appreciated kobe kobe's you know way of playing and, and his mentality and i think that's that's one of the things that's resonating the most is people who aren't the biggest fans of kobe and 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 us as laker fans for the longest <laughs> we were trying to protect his legacy while he was here right and I guess we we'll kind of get into it now in terms of like he, he and Mark, you talk about we're part of that Kobe generation. And, you know, if you if you know, this is coming off of Jordan, right? Like this is when Jordan is leaving and Kobe has, you know, those years. And then you have Allen Iverson, you have Tracy McGrady and then LeBron is coming. And us as Lakers fans, it's like, man, they're they're comparing Kobe, you know, LeBron and Jordan. 
and they're leaving Kobe out of this discussion. And and that always, you know, that for all Laker fans, I, I I'm sure I can speak for it, that always, you know, affected us, you know, just as fans because it's like, yo, like we can't let y'all forget about what he did and his greatness. And I think that that's one of those things that's really striking is like, you know, everybody is, is acknowledging it and we get so caught up in our fandom and, and, and just loving basketball and loving sports. And uh, we, we sort of, you know, it takes, unfortunately, it takes um, certain circumstances like this to for people to realize that. But yeah, yeah man, it's all of that is, is kind of trivial at this point. And I think that's where we are, where it's like none of that matters. Right. <laughs> Uh, it's about people losing their lives in in the most tragic way, in the most unimaginable way, and uh, it's it's super sad. And I I can't I can't imagine how uh, their families are, are are trying to cope through this and try to get through this. But yeah, man, it's 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 a tough one. It's a, it's been a tough three days. Uh, I'm actually flying to Utah tomorrow, so just the anxiety of being in the air after hearing news like that. Uh, it's you know it's it's a little eerie. So uh, just to, just to kind of continue the, the the conversation in terms of Kobe's impact um, as an athlete, Mark, with you know with other other sports, you know we've seen him uh, kind of embrace been embraced with athletes from different sports and and kind of talk about you know why you think that was and uh, he always talked about different animals, same beast and how. You know, just how he impacted people outside of basketball and even outside of sports, really. Yeah, and that it, it's, I think that you just, you have to remember what the world was like in 1996 before, you know, when, when Kobe kind of came into the, into our consciousness as a, as a society and, you know, where he sort of ended. And where we are now, and just how freaking different the world is, and I think what he represents, I feel like maybe more than any other athlete we have, is the globalization of sports in general, and how it seems like all of these sports are so intertwined now. And the, the, the marriage of sports like basketball and soccer, where you have these, this sort of mutual respect between all these major athletes, and you feel like everything is just so much more closely connected. Yeah. And Kobe's a major part of that. And a lot of that is because I think his curiosity and his intelligence and his attention to detail, and I kind of say this... I, I, and I say this sort of in a, in a serious way. It's like, you know, ever since he's died in the last three days, how how many times have we heard Mamba mentality? Yeah. Like, it's he, that, all of that was Kobe Bryant branding himself. You know, nobody called him Black Mamba until he called himself that. And I remember at the time, people were kind of, you know, kind of snickered at the idea of a guy being able to, you know, give himself a nickname. But the guy turned that into almost like a self-motivational brand that helped a lot of people. And a lot of people, I think, took inspiration from him 
maybe not even as a basketball player, but as this sort of symbol of something, the symbol of hard work and and you know and eth- and this good this strong work ethic that you just you see in a lot of the guys that are coming up, not even in just basketball, but in other sports too. And you see, you know, how like in AC in Milan, you have the whole that their whole soccer team essentially their whole game. I think it was yesterday was a tribute to Kobe Bryant and how Novak Djokovic at the Australian Open is paying tribute to him. Nick Curios. It's like there's yeah. this crossover he was bigger than basketball he was more than a basketball player and i think kobe as much as he was determined to be the best basketball player of all time and i think if you'd asked him that's what he wanted i think he his legacy is almost more it's almost more important than that like michael jordan will always i think be the best basketball player of all time Maybe someone will pass him in in the next decades or century, however long we're here. But I don't think Michael Jordan had that same. He had that effect, obviously, but his his sort of thing was just that he was he was less human than Kobe, and I think people did sort of understand that Kobe was this you know flawed human being that strove for greatness, didn't always reach it, had his many flaws early in his life. I think you saw him sort of make up for a lot of that as he's as he matured. And I think he's just a more human... I, I feel like there's a humanity to him that a lot more athletes sort of gravitated towards. And that kind of that kind of humanity, I think, made them respect him more because they understood what he did and how hard he worked and how interested he was in all types of sports and how all types of athletes prepared and and made themselves better. And that kind of, that kind of, you know, that kind of curiosity and intellectual prowess marry that with his branding marry that with social media and the fact that you know basketball is now this sort of you know 12 month a year sport that it wasn't 20 years ago and he kind of got us there like you don't have without Kobe you don't have LeBron's brand you don't have Russell Westbrook you don't have James Harden you don't have uh Giannis you don't have all these guys it's he was as important as Jordan in my mind and I think his loss will sort of make him into this figure that may even be something different than Jordan yeah I'm I agree and I think uh, the way I look at it uh from a from a soccer standpoint and where uh Soccer players are generally more popular on a global standpoint, right, than just exclusively here in America with NBA, NFL, hockey, baseball players. And with Kobe, man, it was you see that even the Neymars and the Cristiano Ronaldo's and the Messi's and like they viewed Kobe as the metric, 
right? They respected him as the metric of, like you said, attention to detail and that just like a burning desire to be masterful in your craft. And I think that's what, that was like the connection, that that, that human connection that, oh, this guy is, you know, he's, he's just a regular guy, you know, but he has this thing that we all can tap into, you know, and I think that's where he connected with other genius level uh, athletes like, you know, Roger Federer, um, Tiger Woods and, and the Messi's and the Ronaldo's and, and those type of athletes. I think it's, you know, it can be understated that in, uh, if all of those people are, are, are in one room, Kobe is, is sort of that guy that they're all sort of like being starstruck over. And, you know, it's, it's, it's fascinating really to think about it and just coming from, from an NBA player. And like I say, we've seen Jordan, but he didn't have that impact that, that, that humanizing impact that Kobe had with other athletes. And uh, like you said, he birthed, you know, a, a, an entire generation. What we're watching in the NBA right now, is 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 Kobe's is is all the players who grew up watching Kobe and not Jordan and uh and I think that's where we resonate with it is you know we didn't get a chance to watch Michael Jordan live in, in his prime but we got a chance to watch Kobe and we like we got a chance to grow with him and and go through those those moments where he wasn't at his as his best at, at his best and and sort of grow and mature and and win more titles and then retire and then start this other process where he's 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 using the same mentality that mamba mentality where and and when you brought that up and it's like you're right like people saw that as kind of tongue-in-cheek right like it was like like what's this guy talking about with this mamba stuff right like but he was super serious about that like he meant that and you know again it's unfortunate that now like people are resonating with with what he was talking about uh, but it's also, you know, a, a, a point of reference for us to, to in, in whatever craft we're doing, whether it's, it be, you know, as 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 uh, media personnel, writers, and and artists, and in different worlds, it's like we can all strive to tap into that mentality that that you know you can you can you that you you set the standard for yourself to be the best at what you're doing, and even if you don't attain it per se the the attempt to to be to to, to have a level of per- perfection is yeah. what we marveled at you know yeah. with kobe and i think he really man he uh it, it's tough and i think he he really did that while he was here and and now as we reflect yeah. we're seeing it and it's making sense so yeah, yeah. eddie is there anything yeah. you wanted to add on that uh i mean it's just so many directions we can take this conversation, and like, yeah, and, like Mark said. Yeah, and no, Eddie, ahead, I kind of want to, and I do. I kind of want to ask you something, Eddie, because I know you, you, you help. You've lived in Los Angeles most of your life, if not all of it. All of it. <laughs> and Los Angeles is a very different American city. Like it's not like, I, you know, me and me and John live on the. I live in New York. John lives in in Charlotte, and. LA is just different and I think part of the Kobe story is obviously the story of Los Angeles and what that's and how that he became like Mr. LA 
and like think about the ground that covers to be like the man in Los Angeles when there's like millions of people that live there and you're in Hollywood you have all of the world's biggest celebrities in a pretty much a 20 30 mile radius of each other and Kobe Bryant is somehow sort of the connecting like nexus to all of them yeah I mean it's funny that whenever Kobe I think I was at a Kings game a couple years ago and Kobe was actually there and he just got it was just allowed it was a loud standing ovation like that's one of like the the I guess the post retirement Kobe memories I have is uh, him there versus I think it was the Capitals and just he just they just show him on the jumbotron and boom like all even people wearing Capitals jerseys were like oh yeah that's Kobe like you know I heard people around me saying oh yeah look look it's Kobe and it was just it's, it's just crazy how regardless of where he was in LA regardless of what ever sport he was there to watch it just generated uh either either excitement or just uh, a, a really good interest people were regardless of who was playing or, or whoever uh, whoever the whoever the people were there to cheer for is just yeah. you know he, he just i don't know he just had this uh, or i guess not not to say aura but he just he just grabbed people's attention when when he was just if people spotted him or or, or it's, it's hard to explain it's just yeah. the, like i said the, whatever sport it was he, he just captivated everybody's attention there yeah and i think and to add on to the, to the la thing man it's you know i was listening to david fitzdale the former knicks coach uh he was talking about how you know Kobe, like, you know, L.A. is a very territorial city, you know, with, you know, with the, the gang culture and, 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 the, and those types of things. And and people understand the severity and the, the seriousness and how dangerous that can be. And, and be careful where you go. Like, you can't just go into certain neighborhoods if you don't know anybody. And, you know, he talked about how Kobe was so beloved in L.A. that he could go into whatever neighborhood, whatever, wherever, he, like, he was welcome because the city saw him as a hero, right? And and they saw him as like, yeah, nah, you can't mess with Kobe. Like he's good over here. Like he, you know what I mean? And that's that's powerful. Like and, and he. Know, the, the uh, sorry to cut you off. I'm sorry to cut you yeah, off. Go John, ahead. Yeah, no, he, go ahead. He, he, I think he was like, it's rare you see an athlete or a sport, you know, like diff- especially in a, in a large city like Los Angeles, where it's it's people from different backgrounds it's it's not it's not your average city where you you have caucasian latino black uh asian middle eastern any ethnicity you can think of it's more than it's 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 you know there's a population in in los angeles so it's weird how he uh, was able to unite just different backgrounds uh during his time as a as a Laker and even post-retirement but it it's just, it's just, you don't see that very often, uh, considering the, you know, the, I guess, just not to turn this into a political thing, but, you know, considering the, the political climate in our country, he was one of those rare uh, athletes that can uh, unite people from different backgrounds. 
Well, and and I think that 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 and I'm going to tell a personal story here, but that that just imagine that reality now and then think about what it was like 15 15 years ago with Kobe Bryant. Kobe Bryant was one of the most polarizing athletes in this country for a decent stretch of time and I remember in 2003 I was in middle school and that whole uh, sexual assault case was going on at that time and I, I like we're all very different people now than we than we were as kids and we grow and I I think that that was a, a, a moment for me where I just automatically as a kid that really had never dealt with the idea of race mm-hmm. just sort of assumed he was guilty and I wasn't shy about saying it either. And there was a aide in my school that was, his name was Greg Millings. And I'll never, never forget it. He was a African-American male. And we would have these arguments. And I think his patience with my misunderstanding of that situation and how that could all, and how other people could see it differently than I did was one of those sort of first kind of awakenings or realizations that race is a thing and it's an issue and it's something that I don't always understand, nor will I ever, I think, have that grasp of it, nor I think should a person in my position. And that listening is always a better option than trying to impose my view on on a topic. And that kind of i think i i i and i felt like that he as an athlete even in that time i don't know if he got the benefit of the doubt in that situation and i think it took him a long time to sort of rehabilitate who he was and you know, go away from all that sort of Kobe Shaq stuff and the sexual assault and then him trying to get a trade to wherever he wanted to get a trade to. And he changed. And whoever he was then is just, he was very different than he became. And I think the saddest part, I, I think there's two really sad parts, obviously. The one sad part is that his daughter was in the helicopter with him. And his daughter was following in his footsteps, was a great basketball player, was a, a great human being a, and would have done great things in the women's game. And he would have done great things for the women's game. And I think that second thing that's just really sad and I think is the kind of inexplicable part of this is that however great he was, he was as a basketball player, However great he was, and, I, and he was a top 10, 15 player that ever lived, probably top 10. But his second life, what he was going to do after, I think would have surpassed it. I think he would have been that guy that did things for the game and gave back in a way that you can't measure and will never be able to measure. And when you lose somebody like that, who has so much to give, 
and was giving back in all sorts of ways. I think he, even to tie this into soccer just a little bit, even though it's a really small part, I think his love of soccer, the fact that the guy spoke Italian, the guy spoke multiple languages, he was immensely intelligent. And, you know, he he was bridging divides between a lot of things. And... To not have that guy, you know, being around and being able to contribute to the greater society is just really, it sucks. And, you know, you, you have to sort of, you chalk it up to that's life, but it doesn't really seem all that fair, seeing that he got out of the other side of playing basketball and that he was going to have a life that was better even than what he had. Yeah, man, it's, it's, <laughs> there's so many lessons in this story and so many things to reflect on that, you know, it's, again, it just speaks to, to, to the man. And, and again, it, he transcends the game and the, and the sport. And, you know, we, I feel like for the, for the first time, again, unfortunately now is when people can sort of try to put themselves in Kobe's shoes in terms of seeing it from like, oh, that's how, this is what he meant by mama mentality. Oh, this is why he was doing this because for the longest, like you said, with the rape allegations and him, you know, having the stigma that he never passes and, and he couldn't win without Shaq and he, you know, he's trying to, to, you know, all those things like during that time, except for maybe Laker fans, a lot of people didn't really give him the benefit of the doubt. They never we never considered how he felt about those things. Right. And, you know, you can say whatever about how tough mentally he was, but he was a human. And I know he felt those things. And for me, it kind of speaks to the duality of a human being, of a person and, and what he represented in and having that fierce mamba mentality, that 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 perfectionist mentality in, in a fierce way, and then the transition after he retired, where he, it was more gentle and he was more open, and he, it, it highlighted the duality of the human being and how he was super involved in the WNBA and 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 raising his daughter and. and teaching her the game and, and kind of accepting that role. And um, it, it, it was, it would have been a fascinating thing to see. And I, and I agree with you, Mark, I think his, his, the, the second part of his professional career uh, where he was going with writing books and, and directing short films for children and, yeah. and, and coaching, I think that stuff would have took him to another level. And, and just, you can just imagine what that level would have been given what we what he uh, we were able to experience from what he did when he was here. So, yeah, man, uh, it's it's been I, a tough I just, three days. I, no, I, I, yeah, go I, ahead. I, want, I wanted to jump in and just add, like, just just to bring it back to soccer. Yeah. If uh, people aren't familiar, with, I think he was like a minor investor, or like he had a heavy, you know, he put a lot of money into the the the, the drink body armor, which is now the like the main one of the main sponsors for MLS. So he was yeah. obviously venturing uh, financially into other sports, and, and soccer just happened to be, uh, I, I guess, his, his other love because just yeah. just because you know, it, his commercials most of the time it's with other soccer players, 
he would always be a. I mean, bring it back to PSG. He, he saw it what two years ago. He was at the in Paris and, and taking photos with, with all the players. He was always around soccer, and you could tell that soccer was his second love. Yeah, yeah. And, and I'll I'll just say to sort of wrap up my bit. And uh, there, there's a term that we use sometimes, and um, that in that term would be Renaissance man. You know, sometimes you call them Mavericks, sometimes you call them Renaissance men. But Kobe Bryant is a Renaissance man in sort of the modern era. One of the few, I think, because we've gotten so segmented. And we, you know, everybody is, stays in their lane and do, just does the thing that they are best at. And he's one of those guys that, you know, the, just the infinite curiosity and writing those children's books. And we, I mean, I have some where I work and you, you can believe that they were on display um, this week his that kind of work that he did for kids for women for men he was a ambassador for basketball he was a bridge to soccer and you look at the way that these soccer players brand themselves it's like i don't know which inspires what but you know Neymar's brand, Kylian Mbappe's brand. It, these athletes are more than sort of just guys that play for a team. Like the athletes themselves are the selling point. And that's something that I think the NBA and, and European soccer, it sort of came at around the same time. But I think that the NBA kind of beat them to it. And I think if you had to say, what we see now is a direct result of a player like Kobe Bryant. I think more, I think more than any other and his ability to, I think he, and he, and he was, he was able to do it in a way where he wasn't sacrificing winning. There was never a moment where you thought, Oh, he's too into his brand. He doesn't really care about winning. He's just here to make money. It was always in line with winning. It was he he showed that you could be a brand. You can have your 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 logo and you can have your foundations and you can have all the these different side projects. You can win an Oscar. You can do all this stuff. And you can still care about winning. You didn't have to make that choice. And I think that that has I think that has left the athlete of the world better off. And I think those athletes are better off because of Kobe Bryant. And I think the world is going to miss that. And I think his legacy lives on through that, through his wife, through his kids. And it's just, I think that it's important that you kind of, we all appreciate that element to it. Because the world changed in the 20 years that he was with us. You know, the 25 years he was with us is a public figure. And, you know, some people sort of are along for the ride as the world changes. And they are sort of changed by the world. And then there are people that actually do the changing. And I think Kobe was that latter. I think he was a guy that changed 
help change the world in small and in small ways, but in significant ways. And that is, and if you can leave your mark on the world in that way, I think you are immortal. I think you live forever in, in video and in his work. And that is, and that is, I think the solace people should take if there is some here is that when you leave a mark like that, it's almost impossible to really sort of die. You're always sort of there. And I think Kobe will always be there in a way for Laker fans, for, you know, fans of basketball, for people that are just fans of hard work. So, I mean, I'll leave it at that, but it's it just, it is sad. And for all the other victims, it's just, it's, it's a terrible thing, but you hope that even in that darkness, you can find a little bit of light to keep us going forward. Cause that's the only way that we can move forward. Oh, absolutely. Well said, man. I think you pretty much wrapped it up there for us. Um, uh, again, thank you so much for, for coming on, man. Uh, yep. to, to kind of, uh, to get to express, to express all of what we just expressed. And, um, Again, we appreciate you for coming on. We're gonna let you go. I know you. You know you got to get some rest here. But again, we appreciate you for coming on. Uh, and we're gonna take a quick break, and we'll be right back with Twenty Fourth and Park. Hey, yo, welcome back to Twenty Fourth and Park. Uh, we're gonna go ahead and uh, continue the rest of the show. Um, Eddie, uh, get get into some some PSG stuff real quick. Try to go rapid fire here. Um, the I wanted to, to get your thoughts on the, you know, the, the new PSG uh, Jordan, the black kits that came out yeah. uh, in, in conjunction to, you know, the, the NBA Paris uh, game that, that took place at the uh, Accor Hotel Arena, I think is what it's called. And obviously Accor is the main sponsor on the PSG shirt and just kind of how all of those things tied in with Charlotte Hornets uh being owned by michael jordan and and jordan having the partnership with psg like so how, how do you how, how do you like the jerseys i saw people had mixed feelings on the jersey and stuff yeah. like that but just overall how did you feel about all that uh, i think we needed a break from the black i mean after last season uh, yeah. let's let's get away from from the black and plus it wasn't it's not like it was something unique it's just it's the black jersey from last year, except instead of like the white dotted stripe down, it's just you know the the French. I guess it's the French flag uh, going yes, down yes. the middle. So it's just uh, if you're if they were gonna go with black, I would have liked for them to go with a different design. I, I, I like the you know the inclusion of the French flag, but, but I would have wanted maybe a different type of design to go with it because it's just yeah I'm I'm not a f- big fan of it. Um, as far as the uh, the game that that was there, I mean, I get it, the, the Jordan brand, uh, and you, they have to have the Hornets there, mm-hmm. and it's good that they had the Milwaukee Bucks. But if I if I was like a, uh, and, and I guess you know the the the, the Hornets have Nicholas Batum, French connection, and then you have uh, uh, Giannis uh, with the international connection there, and obviously one of if not the best player in the world right now at, at uh, going since he's the reigning MVP, but yeah, yeah, it was. Um, I mean, it was a good game. I mean, for first, like this is like one of the first uh, 
in season. I, I think they they've done it last year in in London or wherever out in England. Uh, it's the first time they did it in France. So I mean, it, it was good. It, I, it was a good from from. I obviously didn't see any of the game live. I saw just uh, you know photos. Obviously the PSG players were there. But I mean, good experience. You saw some of the Milwaukee Bucks taking a tour of the of the park, and and yeah, I mean, yeah, it, it was a pretty it was a pretty good experience. Yeah, yeah, and I think like the the last point that you just hit on about them, the Milwaukee Milwaukee Bucks uh, visiting the, the 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 training room and all that stuff. Uh, I think the the larger the larger kind of purpose in that is branding and marketing. Yeah. You know, it's, it's not, it's not a secret that PSG want to be uh, a well-known sports franchise that just rolls off the tongue, like the Lakers, the Yankees, and you know what I mean? Yeah. Those types of that, that type of cachet. And, and this is how you do it, man. And again, I, I bring up just how they, they, they connected everything. And, um, and you know these these European players, they don't really get a chance to watch live NBA. So for the players, I'm pretty sure that was cool, right? Mm-hmm. You can tell how stoked Neymar and Mbappe and those. Oh guys yeah, the courtside seats. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, the courtside like, seats. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they was they was stoked, bro, to see Giannis live and you know in person playing like his game, and you know you can imagine how cool that was, and. um and obviously, like you said, the Hornets, like they're like I, you know, the, the Hornets are here in Charlotte. They they don't have the best of teams, but um, again, it, that's just just that's just where the connection there lies, and you kind of have to go with that. Uh, and I think they have uh, a lot of people are saying this is the first NBA game in Paris. Um, it's the I think it's the first like in season like you know yeah. like a regular season game because the the Hornets played the Warriors in like the 90s in Paris, but it was like a tour, like a preseason tour. It wasn't yeah. like a lot of games. So, so there was that, and then just everything else that goes with that. Um, so I, I thought it was it was executed great. You know, it, it looked good. Everybody uh, seemed to enjoy themselves. I'm pretty sure there was an article about out there about, about uh, I think Ed tweeted about somebody uh, making a joke about yeah. um, the, the PSG players sitting courtside and then the guy would, captioned it, and like he was he like, should... "Name this band or something crazy like that." Yeah, I I don't know if this was a really bad attempt at humor, but I feel like some of these I don't know maybe it's because we're used to like you uh, in the U.S. you see you know players from other sports uh, at courtside seat celebrities, so it's, it just feels weird when I I'm not sure again this I'm not sure if this was a bad attempt at humor. But I feel like Europeans would lose their heads if they saw like, uh, you know, we we see baseball players, hockey players, football players at basketball games, courtside seats. Even even there's uh, uh there's, for example, the Raptors that have super fan nav. Uh, you have people who turn into celebrities at basketball games because they're they're you know they're they're, they're a devout fan. Yeah, they they, they yeah. just have that some type of unique character. So I feel like. Especially, I'm not gonna. I, I, I pretty much call them out. It's it's majority English, so I feel like people in England would lose their minds if they if they could, you know, they were exposed to this uh, more often than you know, like how we are. It's just second nature to us. Yeah, no, that's a good point. I think that is a, a culture. I believe the person who who tweeted that wasn't. I don't believe they were from here. 
uh, from from the states. Uh, no, I think so, it was some type of. I knew he was English because I remember Ed tweeting it out. I think he was a Ashton Villa former player uh, or something like that. He was a former uh, player. I okay. think I remember it's Aston Villa. I, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know his name, but I remember I seen Ed tweet that. So, you know, it's, you know, but again, goes back to his PSG. People are going to find something to, to nag about, even though everything is, it looks good. The optics are good. Everybody looks like they're having fun. It's like they had a day off. Like, what do you want? But, you know, such is such as life as a PSG player and a fan. <laughs> so uh, just to, just to kind of piggyback off of, you know, the, the branding and the marketing, uh, there was an article that came out in the Forbes um, magazine, uh, pretty much uh, the, the numbers came out that PSG have like the second the the second fastest growing uh, sports franchise in the world and they're now valued at a billion dollars and uh, you know to, to, to kind of the, the things that have been alluded to about the club after QSI came into the fold and you know their their old money oil money and, and PSG mm-hmm. is just a is this team that's been bought by you know these these sheiks or whatever these people and a club with you know, no history. <laughs> history and yeah all that all that nonsense um, and again just tying it back to 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 the, the the game the NBA games in Paris and the PSG Jordan collaborations and those types of sponsorships and all the other million sponsorships we we forget bro they got so many sponsorships yeah like with denim boss remember the motorcycle thing yeah. <laughs> So it's it's so much, and you know, again, people laugh and make jokes about it on Twitter. But look at the results of you know, PSG are second to Golden State, right? Golden State have been the best basketball team in the world for the last like three years or three four years or whatever, and PSG are second, and they haven't other than the you know the league and the domestic trophies, they haven't won a European title. So imagine what's gonna happen once PSG do finally get that trophy but it you know it, it, it speaks to the the marketing and, and everything that they've been doing to to, to be valued at a billion dollars bro that thing yeah. I, I think that's extremely fascinating yeah i mean we saw it at the uh, super bowl media where you saw jimmy garoppolo wearing a psg hoodie and saying uh he, he's a he's a supporter like yeah there's a jordan brand connection because he's a jordan athlete but still i mean it doesn't but mean you can't become a fan. That's the brilliance in it, though. You know, I'm just saying, like, maybe he was exposed. Like, I, I, maybe he never knew about the club, but just having that mm-hmm. connection, like, oh, I'm, I'm watching, you know, this team. Uh, yeah, we're there. Are you know, Jordan is a sponsor, but like, let me get it. Let me watch this team and what they're all about. And then I remember he said that, you know, he he likes watching players like Neymar and Mbappe play. So yeah, as long as PSG keeps bringing in players that are markable are marketable like like Mbappe and Neymar they're gonna still keep pumping up uh you know generating that type of income yeah no for sure and and, and like I said that's that's the genius in 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 and when you make that deal with Jordan you you don't really account for the Jimmy Garoppolo's wearing the the you know we saw Zion Williamson and these all these celebrities all these people wearing PSG paraphernalia when you when you sign that deal with Jordan, you don't really think about that. You know it's there, but that's what comes with it. You 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 partner up with Jordan, and part, and Jordan has all of these athletes under their umbrella. It's inevitable that they're gonna wear Jordan apparel, and when the Jordan apparel is tied to PSG, you get that. And now these players 
are trying to what what what's that little emblem right there with it says Paris? What's that about? Oh, that's a soccer team. Let me go. Oh, they got Neymar and Mbappe and and the, all these you know superstar players who are incredible, right? It's not just they had their superstars; they're the best in the game, right? So it's yeah, it it, it makes super it makes super sense, and I think that the club has seen the residual effects of those decisions. I- yeah, I, I just find it funny that no other athlete can be into PSG. Like, like nobody questioned LeBron being into Liverpool. Like, there was no, like, is he really a Liverpool supporter? Like, there, there was no <laughs> pushback from anybody. Yeah. It was just widely accepted. But if uh, a Jimmy Garoppolo says, oh, yeah, no, I'm a PSG supporter, I saw tweets under that. I saw a couple of tweets that were saying, oh, they got to introduce him to a Premier League club or, or a Bundesliga club or someone was like, uh, is he really a fan, or is this a Jordan, you know, Jordan Brand con- uh, connection here? So, so it's like, so what? Yeah, <laughs> so, right. Like the PSG in that instance, PSG won. Like it, it doesn't matter if he's a fan or not, but most likely he will become a fan, right? Like the the the, the likeliness of that has now been heightened because of this. So it's like, so what? And then I don't know if you noticed, like, um, there's been like a string of like, uh, Iniesta's. Uh, kid wearing a Neymar jersey. There's like a Marseille or a former Marseille player. Uh, I forget who was his name, but there's like a lot of players who are currently playing for other clubs are wearing PSG jer- jerseys. Yeah, what's his name? Marcos Marcos Rojos, uh, formerly yeah, yeah. of Manchester United. He was wearing. Uh, yeah, he was wearing that. It's just like, come on, like it. Yeah. It's the good thing is that for the most part, PSG is like being connected with really good uh, uh, you know fashion uh, I guess clothing clothing lines yeah. so you know it's, it's hard for players not to say you know what I want to wear that because it's fashionable yeah no they're they're tapping into the right things uh, and in that Forbes uh, piece uh, PSG's uh, deputy chief executive he kind of runs all the the marketing and makes these types of decisions and I was listening to him talk and he's like when PSI came in PSG was funded largely 50% like by Qatar now the Qatar money is only 15% of of yeah. that right like so if you look at that gap within however many years that QSI's been in like that that's impressive and you know small things like changing the logo and putting Paris on there uh, signing players like Chago Silva, David Beckham, Zlatan. You know, you have an American. Uh, well, yeah, somebody who who represents um, different different areas of the world. Zlatan is in Sweden. Chago Silva is in South America, right? Like, all those things, decisions that they made is now paying off. But I think now it's like other clubs in league and need to take this route they need people need to get out this mentality and if we if we, we 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 constantly talk about how league and needs to like other clubs like no if 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 a big company or or entity wants to buy your club let them like it's going to be better for everybody like just accept the inevitability of this because this whole PSG being the only team that's grand and in, in, in France, it's not going to last too long in terms of like people aren't going to sit here and settle for this for the longest. Because yeah. I don't think the the longer it's this way, the way it is, just PSG being the the big dog, it's not going to work well. You see in 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 the Premier League how you have six big teams and 
You know what I mean? It's, just, uh, yeah, it's debatable now. This thing. No, 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 <laughs> no. What I'm, I'm not talking. I'm not talking about the quality. I'm talking about the the cachet. Oh, right? yeah, Chelsea's cachet, a big club. Yeah. You know what I mean? Uh, Chelsea's yeah. a big club. Arsenal's a big club. No matter how trash they are. <laughs> Like, but you know, and that's but what I'm. I, I sort just feel of like they, there has to be some type of winning. Like there has to be some type of commitment and win. Like eventually, uh, I, I think if these clubs continue to struggle, I, I would like to think that the the, the, the cash isn't going to be coming in. Um, but they're not going to win with some... that with that small mentality. Of, yeah. Of just trying to, you know, you, you you get a good player, Nicholas Pepe, you sell them off. Like, you're not going to win like that. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, they benefit that they have a really good TV deal with uh, NBC Sports. That's like their, some of their, so, you know, it's a, it's a saving grace for some of these clubs that uh, I don't see them contending being good because I, I, I have a feel, I have a good feeling that, yeah, their local support will continue, but. Eventually, you know, sponsors would be like, well, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to put too much money into a losing product or I don't want to have my, you know, I want to I want to have my, I guess, brand or whatever be associated yeah. with at least some type of winning. I mean, you don't see it, it took PSG a while for them to, like, get a really I mean, you know, fly Emirates rights that they were there together, you know, for a good amount of years. But this accord deal this this is the first time where it's like okay yeah this is their you know this is the big time money and and i don't know if uh any of the premier league clubs aside from like liverpool or whatever some of the ones that continue winning are going to be able to demand these type of uh, uh deals because at least psg they they're they were on the you know they had all the power in the negotiating table they could demand uh, you know whatever they wanted or whatever they saw fit because they have the, the marketable players. Like, what, who wouldn't want their brand, uh, you know, who wouldn't want Mbappe and Neymar wearing their brand week in and week out? Yeah. Well, I, I just think that the likeliness of, of what you're saying in terms of, like, if the Arsenals and those type of clubs, man, like, if they start losing, like, these some of these some of their sponsors might want to get out of Dodge because they don't want to be part of a – of a of a losing product, and I get that, but I think the likeliness of that happening is not as much as as long as the the rest of these league end teams remain to with this same same <laughs> uh, system. Yeah, it, I, I feel like that's gonna fail before the, the 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 Premier League thing fails, and and I think that that's the worrying thing for me. It's like yo, like league ends, but I think they're getting like a new TV deal worth like billion dollars um and that you know i i'm gonna say it that's thanks to psg like the entire league uh, is getting a new tv deal largely because of what psg is doing with their branding and marketing and and you know again these clubs they want to you know oh, i love my club and my shirt and 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 we, we want to hold on to the, the history and all yeah all that's cool you're gonna end we we read these stories about these premier league teams that yeah. are bankrupt and have to you know they're shutting they're shutting down the whole club is is done and um that's gonna re, don't be surprised if you start seeing that in, in france some more because nobody's willing to, to to change you know i would i would i would things would be really interesting if uh if clubs 
had to like negotiate their own TV deals rather than you know the league generating or negotiating one big league t- uh, TV deal because then some of these clubs would really be in trouble for one for PSG. Yeah, that that would be something to explore. They gotta do something. <laughs> That's all I've been saying. They gotta do something. All uh, right. So just to go into the next topic real quick, uh, I wanted to talk about um um. The 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 Neymar documentary that's coming out uh, that's been reported, Le Parisien reported that there's a there's a documentary in the works for Neymar, uh, and and I kind of wanted to tie that into how I feel like Neymar's kind of won back the ultras, uh, you know, even though they're not the, the the entire representation of the PSG fan base, but they're the ones who go to the matches and they're there live on the pit at the at the game. But, you know, so how, how do you feel, how do you think uh, what has kind of transpired where we, from where we were in the summer to where we're at now where they're not booing him anymore? He's probably in the best form I've ever seen him in personally and, and how that relates to how he's trying to kind of change things up a little bit and then the documentary is him kind of dictating yeah. the narrative. I mean... I think it's not like he's not letting it bug him anymore. I think he's gone like Kawhi, where Kawhi, you could say whatever you want about Kawhi, but he's it's not gonna bug him. He's just gonna go about his business, and that's what it looks yeah, like. Sure. Let's, yeah, it looks like that's what Neymar's doing. Like, okay, you can boo me, whatever. I'm just gonna go about my business, and and if it happens to shut you up, it'll shut you up. And you could, uh, I I think this is this one's self-explanatory, but if if someone who's heckling you, if you don't pay them any any uh, any mind, eventually they're just gonna look foolish. And for the most part, that's what the PSG ultras have been looking like. They've been looking foolish, when, especially when uh, Cavani comes onto the pitch and Cavani isn't the same Cavani that he used to be, and he's a shell of himself. And they just start trying to sing his name out of spite for Neymar. They just end up looking foolish when Neymar is just not you know paying attention to them or it's not letting him bug him. Yeah, and, I, and and the craziest part for me is that like we didn't think we'd get to this point where it's like <laughs> the, the roles again the ultras the roles have reversed and look at that it's Neymar he's the one who's who's being the bigger person per se right like he's the one who's dictating the narrative and at the end of the day man like the like we we've talked about the fine line between players and fans like yeah. we're there to watch them like they're yeah. entertaining us <laughs> you know what i mean I, like if they're not there we don't have anything to root yeah. for you know what i mean no. so yeah. yeah i was going to say i thought you were going to say that now it's cavani making a big fuss that he wants to leave and you don't see the ultras oh. booing him or people turning on him like they quickly did on Neymar, where you saw. Yeah. Uh, I'm not sure if you saw the video where Cavani's dad was on um, El Chiringuito, which is like a, a Spanish, you know, television. I think it's. A, I'm not sure if it's television show or internet show, or whatever. But they had his dad on there, and he was, you know, pretty much saying that uh, PSG is being unfair to his son and and whatnot. It, it's funny that this didn't get a lot of like blowback from the supporters because or or maybe it is but not like the ultras where you know if Neymar did this if it was his dad on going on Spanish a uh, Spanish uh, you know sports show saying that Neymar wants out he, he has a preferred destination they're not treating him right whatever it's just it's just funny how 
like like I said, the roles have reversed. Yeah, I think I think that's for me. Like I and, and I'm I'm with you. I think it is kind of phony on the from from a fan's perspective to not call out Cavani uh, for 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 not 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 really even call out Cavani, but just to to highlight the the, the contradiction there, right? But like for me, it's like if he asks for for a trade or to to be transferred, like I, I understand it. Like I I don't have a problem with that at all. Like he. Like if I was him, I would do the same thing. I would try to get up out of here too because Icardi's not going anywhere, <laughs> and he's not gonna get and 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 Cavani's game is not gonna get any better than what we seen when he was in form, right? So, but but again, the relationship with the fans, I would say, like they're not they're not gonna boo Cavani or ridicule him because they love him too much. At the end of the day, that's what it comes down to. It's he's he's spent more time at the club than Neymar has, and he's brought them more joy than Neymar has thus far, right? Like we can yeah. talk about the qualities. Obviously, Neymar is the better player, but and and that's what I think it is. Why they're not gonna they're not gonna shit on Cavani essentially. Like even though it's you know it's contradictory and and, and it looks phony, but yeah, they're not they're not going to and 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 that's just what that is, but. But I think uh, with, with Neymar, man, I, I, at the end of the day, you just gotta go out there and play. And yeah, that's what he did. He he went out there and played, and 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 thank God he's been healthy. And I think that's the most important part. He's been healthy, and, yeah. and he's letting his play do the talking, and the the ultras have kind of came back. And I thought I think that's interesting to to observe. Yeah. So to uh, to transition to this um, to this next topic, I wanted to to, <laughs> to get your perspective on this because it's, it's it's been something I've noticed uh, pretty much throughout the QSI era, um, where PSG players getting their homes burglarized, and I think it's the weirdest thing. I don't know if this happens as much as it happens at PSG at other clubs, but uh, Chopomoting, you remember last year his home got robbed. Dani Alves last year, Thiago Silva, uh, Levin Kozawa, and now I think uh, during the Monaco match, that first Monaco match, uh, Marquinhos' house, they attempted, they say they attempted to rob. Like, what's, <laughs> what do you think that's about? Like, what is, like, where are they living? Like, where are they, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I'm, I, I, I don't I'm know the infrastructure. I'm surprised they don't live, like, in gated communities. Uh, is, that's there, what is, I'm that, thinking, is there, is there like, no such thing as that in Europe? Like, that's... That, it, that's my know, question. Is like <laughs> in North America, there's gated communities where, yeah. yeah, people are able to, you know, their, their houses are pretty much not burglar, you know, they're not burglar proof, but it's for open the most space. part, you don't. Yeah, it's it's weird how how over here there there's you know stuff like that doesn't happen to athletes. It's rare when that happens. I think the last time I remember to happen to an athlete or who like whose home was like the epicenter of a of a of a story was like LeBron. I think uh, he or yeah. LeBron. Yeah, and then I think the worst like the worst case scenario was um, Sean Taylor, uh, former you know Washington yeah. safety when yeah. he died. I uh, 2004, 2005, so like early 2000s. That's like that's the last time where you know like you know, worst case scenario happens to a player when, you know, he's getting his home robbed. But yeah, it's always like frequent in Europe. Like every year you hear uh, certain players got either their homes robbed or, 
or burnt or, or, or destroyed or whatever, uh, vandalized or, or anything of that matter. But yeah, it's, it's weird how it's very, it happens frequently in Europe and you would think there were gated communities or, uh, you know, where people, a neighborhood watch or whatever. But yeah, it's, uh, it just happens way too often in Europe. Yeah, it's, it's way too common. For me, like as a player, like like this is like if, if I'm a player being like uh, um being like um scouted by PSG, like this is me personally. This is just me personally. I would be concerned by this, right? Like uh, or uh, like you said, it's a it, it seems to be a European thing. Again, I don't know the infrastructures and and the architectural. Um, you know, details about how most of these homes are. I imagine these guys live in mansions. Some of yeah. them live in condos, but their contracts aren't grand and, and there aren't, you know, extensive, so they're not about to buy no big house. But, yeah, it's it, it's weird. And then, like, the common theme is, with particularly with the PSG players, is happening during matches. Like, every one of these mm-hmm. stories for Chupamonte, Chago Silva, Dani Alves, Levin Kozawa, and now Marquinhos, it happens during a game. So, right? Like, so if, 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 if I'm a, and I'm pretty sure they have a security team there where they monitor, you know, where the players are and all that stuff. Cause I know they do it here in, in, in America, but again, I'm not sure how they do it, but I'm pretty sure they have a security security team for the players. It's like during these matches, like, I don't know, like maybe try to have a task force, uh, you know, to, to 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 keep an eye out on these things, particularly during a match, because that's when it's happening. But that's yeah. just my observation on it. I think it's a little weird. Like again, that don't sit well with me. Where, like, yo, like, there's a history of players that get their houses robbed. Like, <laughs> what? Like, where again? Where are y'all living? First of all, like, where? What is what is the area that these it, people are living it, in where this is such a common yeah. thing? Yeah, you'd wonder if people in the media. You know, uh, not saying this happens, but it's just weird how easy the media has access to players' houses or addresses. Because I know we saw it earlier this year or last year where the media was right in front of Mesut Ozil's house, pretty much stalking him or whatever uh, during that whole, you know, Emery, that whole drama that there was going on in Arsenal. And, And yeah, I mean, it's just weird how. You don't, I mean, unless it's like paparazzi, you, you really don't see the media really going after athletes or entertainers, like going straight to the houses. And, and yeah, it's just, it's it's weird how it's the Wild West there's, uh, out in Europe sometimes. Yeah, for sure. That's that's a good point, too, that you bring up how, like, the they, they were at Ameza Oz's house, like, like, just casually there. Like, maybe it's public record. I don't know. Like, you know, sometimes, you know, I, I know in L.A., like, there's, like, websites to find actors and actresses' homes. Of them. I'm, you know, correct, correct me if I'm wrong on that, but I believe I've read where there's, like, some of these people's homes are, like, public record, which is the weirdest thing to me. I don't care how much money I make, fam. Like, <laughs> nobody <laughs> needs to know Yeah, I, I was about like, to say, like, that. yeah, just because they're, you know, they're public <laughs> figures, they're, like, they're you know their information should be you know that their address and all that stuff should remain private i, I don't know it's just it's just weird how how 
in Europe, it's just, and I think last year wasn't, if I'm not, if I'm not mistaken, it was like the Inter supporters showed up that at Mauro Riccardi's house or wherever to uh-huh. confront him. And so it's just weird how, how, how these people have like access to this type of information. Yeah, man, it's, it's super weird. But that's all we got for the show today, man. Um, what's the what was the craziest thing that you've seen uh, over the past few weeks? I guess on on, on social media. Um, I guess I, I was gonna go with the the Jimmy Garoppolo. Um, you know, this if people for for anyone that doesn't live in the U.S., we all know how big the Super Bowl is and. Yeah. It's just taking up a you know a life of its own, and for for you know PSG out of all clubs to just be talked about during the the media availabilities for the players this week, it's just it's just like like we talked about it was the marketing, and the club just got some free marketing, some free publicity <laughs> uh, when I'm guessing they didn't expect it, so. Uh, yeah, I, I think that's the. I guess that would be the wildest thing that I saw on Twitter. Yeah, that's no, nah, that's 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 the best type of free marketing product placement or whatever. You talk about how, uh, again, if you're not familiar with American sports, the Super Bowl is so big, like the commercials during the game are like a thing, right? <laughs> so, and expensive, yeah, people, <laughs> and, and hella expensive, and so people do this, you know, pay so much. And the value is so high because they know the whole world is watching. So, again, for even the media availability, that's a big thing. A lot of eyes on that and that product placement for PSG. Yeah, that's, that's perfect. Um, for me, man, again, to, to go back to um, the, the, the Kobe Bryant story, just from a, from a journalistic twist, though, uh, you know, I, and I'm pretty sure you saw this, Eddie, but, like, you know, when the reports were coming out, there was a lot of inaccurate uh, reporting yeah. in terms of how many people were on the helicopter and who was actually in the helicopter. You know, people were saying that all of his daughters were in there. They put Rick Fox, who's a former uh, Laker, former Kobe Bryant teammate, yeah. said that he passed. And I saw a video today. And I where saw um, where no, I, I, I saw where another one where they thought Kobe might have been the pilot. Of the of the I, helicopter, I, I didn't hear about that one. That's that's news to me. That yeah, because they were trying to put together the. Because remember, it was first reported that it was five people, and yeah. then it went up to yeah. nine, and then that's yeah. when when it was five people thought, oh, you know what, maybe it was Kobe. I think they said that he might, you know, him having a helicopter, he might have like his his license to to fly it, and so he yeah. might have been the pl- the pilot. So yeah, that that was some of that was some of the uh, the early you know, reports, if you want to call it that, that, that I saw on Twitter. Which is ridiculous, though. Like, that's, <laughs> like, it, like whether there's, like, you know, obviously this is a tragic situation, but even if it wasn't, like, why are we lying? You know what I mean? Like, y'all are, we're talking about ABC, credible news outlets are out here essentially running with fake news because they want to be first. They want to be, mm-hmm. at, they want to be the, the first one and and unfortunately, that I think that's the world we live in now, like where our news is instant, right? Like when we found yeah. out about the news, it was on our phone. Like so, people try to tap into that, and they don't really care about the accuracy. And and I was like, I was about to say, I saw the video of Rick Fox 
uh, on NBA uh, inside NBA talking about how he felt about that, how he was getting text messages from people like, yo, just text me back. Just let me know that you're still alive. And then he texted. I wonder how his name just all of a sudden came. Like, I'm, I'm just curious as to know. Wow, like, that, that was he, just the most random. That was the most random, like, Laker to have. Like, yeah, Rick Fox. Uh, well, I uh, think he, he actually, he actually, uh, and again, I, let me, let me not, I'm not even going to lie, but I, I believe that maybe it was because Rick Fox has had, like, uh, like been coaching with Kobe and he's been in that circle of that like of how they like they go to the plate in these AAU games yeah. but like again it was random it's like what Rick Fox like y'all just gonna put this man's name on there because he's a former Laker and he was Kobe's yeah. teammate and I think like, it was his daughter it was his daughter like uh, when, I, when I saw tweets that no it wasn't Rick Fox it was actually Rick Fox's daughter being the yeah. source to say, hey, no, my dad is not dead. Dad is here. He's alive. He's yeah. I am the source. <laughs> I am his daughter. He texted me. He called me. He right. is alive. Right. And 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 that's just nuts. And, and <laughs> it's like this is what we've we've uh, resulted to. And uh, I don't know if you saw the press conference. Uh, the the L.A. Uh, the, the sheriff department in Calabasas. You know, the, the guy pretty much ripped TMZ and was like. Yeah. The family shouldn't find out about stuff like this through the media, and yeah. I completely agree. I think there should be some type of legislation on that. I, I, I truly believe that. But even with that being but, said, which, how and how disgusting which, that was, they were the most accurate ones. Yeah, that's what I was about to say. Like, <laughs> uh, despite them being awful for right. for having. You know, for doing that, for releasing it, when they, I think they released it before some families were even notified, but they were the most accurate one. They got, you know, they they didn't throw out anybody's name. They didn't throw out anybody else. They just said, here, these are five people. They were able to confirm that it was, you know, Kobe's daughter that was in there, and that's it. Like, they did not mention, they didn't say any names as to the others. First three people, now seven people that were in the the helicopter. Like they just, despite you know, despite them being evil, they they followed you know, for the most part, journalistic standards or or right. half of journalistic standards where they did not report any names if they didn't have it. Right, and then and that that speaks to the the other sort the you know. The level of, of where journalism, 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 particularly in sports, and just well, not particularly in like that that world of, of covering celebrity news and and like this this is where we are at now, where where TMZ is 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 the metric, is, is the one who's doing things the right. It's way. the low, yeah, it's the low like TM like despite them being accurate, yeah. you know, for the most part they they are spot on. But you know they pay for information like that's you know they're they're on the lower end of journalism when we talk about journalism despite being very accurate. But uh, on Sunday morning or Sunday afternoon they were, you know when you talk about journalism they were the high standard and that's yeah. like a really low bar uh, to set if if, journal, if uh, TMZ's the the shining light of of uh, journalism. Couldn't have said it any better, man. All right, that's that's all we got today, man. Again, um, uh, really, you know, it's been a tough few few days, but again, 
want to send our deepest condolences to the Bryant family and and the rest of the the, the families that were impacted uh, to the tragic situation. Um, and yeah, man, rest in peace, Kobe. And um, again, thank y'all for listening to 24th and Park. This is our first episode back uh, 2020. And uh, we'll be talking to you guys very soon. Thank you so much.